0: Hello and welcome to the Backtracker History Show podcast with me, Alice. Join me as I go delving through the archives to find out more about the people, places and events from the past. Listen to tales of dastardly pirates and amazing innovators, catastrophic accidents and devious crimes. This podcast has it all. And this episode is no exception, so get ready to give your ears a treat maybe learn a few things on the way. As I don't believe in sanitising the facts of history, these episodes may contain information that some people find disturbing. This episode is a podcast exclusive so join me as we dive into a story that's been forgotten yet is still intriguing and unsolved it occurred in 1892 but what else happened that year well on January the first Ellis Island begins accommodating immigrants to the United States on March the 15th the Liverpool Football Club is founded in England by John Halding the owner of Anfield. Holding decides to form his own team after Everton leaves Anfield in an argument over rent. On March 17th, the St. Patrick's Day snowstorm besieges Tennessee with upwards of 26 inches of snow, which is a record that still stands. On August 4th, the father and stepmother of Lizzie Borden were found murdered in their Fall River, Massachusetts home. And on October the 31st, the first collection of Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes stories from the Strand magazine, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, is published in London. But our event occurred in January, when a Mr. William Roberton Liddell, who was the manager of the Ilminster branch of Stuckey's Bank, mysteriously disappeared. He was engaged to Miss Elizabeth Chapman, who incidentally, was mentioned in a new will Liddledale had just made. They were due to be married in Newbury-Barks on the 15th of January, 1892. On the morning of the 8th of January, 1892, Liddledale drew a cheque for £1,020 on his current account at Stuckey's Bank and cashed it before leaving for London without any luggage except for a small handbag. He had bought a second-class return ticket The return portion was never used. Liddardale was last seen in London after his arrival at the Great Western Hotel Paddington and on the following day he wrote to Miss Chapman announcing his arrival and saying that he had met a Miss Finning again as he alighted from the train but he had soon got rid of her. On February the 10th 1892, the following notice appeared in several London newspapers. In the Deaths section.
1: On January 30, in Miss B.A.H. Finney's yacht Foresight, William Robertson Lidderdale of Ilminster, result of accident on January 8, alighting from carriage in motion.
2: Word of the week.
0: And this week, my friends, it's my honour to give you. bum fodder. Yes, you heard me right. Bum fodder. And this is a 17th century word for toilet paper. But the term was also used in referring to worthless or inferior literature anything printed or written that is perceived as useless, tedious or unnecessary. In other words, pages you would probably use as toilet paper. After the notice regarding litterdale's death was published, inquiries were made both privately and by police at New Scotland Yard and on February the 13th, the following ad was placed in the London Papers.
1: Miss B. A. H. Vinning is urgently requested to communicate details of the death of William Robertson Lidderdale on board her yacht Foresight as announced in the standard and 10th February to his relatives or Mr. Prichard and Marshall.
0: When there was no reply to those ads, another one was placed on the 19th of February,
1: which read, £25 reward to registrars, the above reward will be paid to the person who first furnishes us an authentic copy of the certificate of death of William Robertson Lidderdale, whose death was announced as having taken place on the yacht Foresight on January 30th, last from accident on January 8th. Any information relating to the accident or death will be rewarded.
0: Around the same time that these notices were being put in London papers, Miss Elizabeth Chapman, the fiancée, received a registered packet from London, addressed to her at Ilminster, in an unknown handwriting. The packet contained £500 in banknotes, a Christmas card, a marked jubilee sixpence, which belonged to Mr Litterdale, and visiting cards of Miss Finning, with the address cut off. On the back of these cards was written in pencil, in Mr. Litterdale's handwriting, the words,
3: Was true to you.
0: This just added to the confusion. And even though there were many requests in the papers as well as a reward, no information was given regarding either an accident or a death. And 16 years later, the courts were asked to declare him dead. Mr. Litterdale, it is stated, used to speak of Miss Finning as a beautiful Creole from America, about 30 years of age, who had been living in a flat of Westminster and was quite wealthy, owning a yacht called Foresight.
2: (laughs) Word on the Street
0: As this is a podcast exclusive, I'm going to wander a bit further outside the boundaries of Bristol and investigate the name of Piccadilly Circus in London. This famous area was first named after a house built by Robert Baker in 1612, just to the north of where the circus now stands. He made his wealth from the sale of piccadilles, the stiff collars worn by the fashionable gents in court. Locals, as they're apt to do, derisively called this mansion Piccadilly Hall. The word circus comes from the Latin and means ring or circular line, while Piccadilly Circus took on the 18th century meaning of buildings arranged in a circular line. The original name for the street, now known as Piccadilly Circus, was actually Portugal Street, named after Charles II's wife, Catherine of Braganza's home nation, but by the middle of the 18th century, it had assumed its current moniker. An application was made to the probate division and reported in the newspapers on the 17th of June, 1913, for Liddardale to be declared dead. Mr Pridham Whipple said there were new affidavits which he thought that the Lordship had not seen in the previous applications. One had been made by Mr. Albert Brooks, an executor and trustee under Mr. Little's will, dated the 5th of March, 1890, under which Miss Chapman benefited. On the day Mr. Little left London, he told Miss Chapman that he was returning the next day, and he wrote to her from London saying,
3: Arrived safely. I'm sending this to Rady, in case I should not see my darling tomorrow. As they did not tell me particulars, I fear the will is not signed. Do not be disappointed, my darling, if we are out of it. I promised you that if I ever saw Miss Finding again, I would tell you. And I do so at once. She has found out that her old lover is dead. And those old duffers and lawyers must needs tell her I was coming up to London. But I soon got rid of her. She knows we are to be married, but has not seemed to know the date of the wedding. Now, my sweet darling, just be happy about this. It will be all right. Excuse this haste, as I want to start off. Yours forever, Willie.
0: But Lydell didn't return to Ilminster on January the 8th, as promised. His clerk had been waiting to meet him and give him an update on what had happened at the bank. The council said that there were no circumstances they could think of to cause Mr Liddell to leave Ilminster. His bank account was very healthy, and he was entitled to property valued between sixty-three and £64,000. When they started talking about the existence of Miss Vinning, Mr Whipple stated in an affidavit that Mr Brooks said Mr Liddell had shown him a photograph of Miss Vinning previously in 1892. The affidavit added that Miss Vinning was a mysterious lady who had no fixed abode, although apparently wealthy, having horses, carriages and so on. As for the yacht, the council said there was no evidence that the foresight had been seen at Westgate-on-Sea in 1890. Mr Justice Bargrave Dean said,
2: I have accepted the existence of the yacht and of Miss Vining and I couple the two together as a reason for his disappearance. I think the facts are gradually becoming clearer and clearer as the case is being reopened from time to time.
0: In the news today, boffins have discovered that T-Shirt is actually short for Tyrannosaurus Shirt It's because of the small arms. And now we continue with our story by having Miss Elizabeth Chapman appearing for the first time in court to give evidence. Miss Chapman stated that her fiancé was ten years older than her when they became engaged in 1890, He was between 35 and 40 then. Mr Pridham Whipple mentioned a passage in the letter which Miss Chapman received from London from Mr. Lissardale.
3: Now, my sweet darling, just be happy about this. It will be all right.
0: Miss Chapman said she understood from that that they would not be interfered with by Miss Finning. The Christmas card enclosed in the package received by her was in the form of an invitation cheque. In reply to counsel, Miss Chapman said that she had never seen Miss Finning. Her understanding, when they would become engaged, was that Mr Litherdale and Miss Finning had ceased to meet. She trusted her fiancé and asked very little about Miss Finning. The judge said,
2: This lady had asked him several times to marry her. Did not that make you curious?
0: He had no desire to marry her, came the reply. Mr. Albert Brooks, the former manager of Stuckey's Bank in Ilminster, and a friend of Mr. Lidderdale said that the missing person could not have seen Miss Vinning very often, as his position in the bank would not have allowed him to do so. He wouldn't have had the time. He went on to say,
3: He told me that the first occasion on which he met Miss Vinning was at a railway station. The carriage door had stuck and he stepped forward to open it for her. Miss Finning was accompanied by her mother and the latter's hat blew
0: off. He picked it up and then was asked to go and visit the mother. During the proceedings, the judge objected to death being presumed on behalf of the two insurance companies in which Liddardale was insured. Mr Gavine, who had made the application on behalf of Mr Albert Diamond Brooks, the executor of the will, declared that every inquiry had been made. He stated that Dr. James Liddell, the brother of the missing man, had visited his brother for the first time in several years and noted that he was suffering from some sort of wasting disease, like diabetes. Mr. Brooks himself remarked how he had seen Liddell on the 8th of January and commented that his figure was bent and he seemed like a man who had lost all interest in life. He believed that his illness had made Liddell rethink the upcoming wedding. Why do you now alter your ground? You suggested formally that he died as the result of the accident. Now you say he died of diabetes? Questioned the judge.
2: Why do you now alter your ground? You suggested formally that he died as the result of an accident. Now you say he died of diabetes. If he had not disappeared he would have died of diabetes sooner or later. Suppose Miss Vining was a rich lady and Miss Chapman was not, and he went off with Miss Vining. He might have sent the packet to soothe Miss Chapman's feelings. He might be alive now, living happily with Miss Vining somewhere. You do not seem quite to realise the position. Have you made inquiries in yachting centres about the Forsyth and where he was supposed to have joined the yacht? We do not know where he joined the yacht.
0: This yacht, Foresight, was never found and was believed to have never existed, as there was no record of it at Lloyd's. Another puzzling feature was the question about the article in the newspaper that said Liddell had died in an accident on the 30th of January. But Liddell had been in London on the 8th of January, so it should have happened in London around that date, and not in a seaside location weeks later. The press of the day, who weren't that different to our reporters, sensationalised the situation, saying that Liderdale had been kidnapped by the mysterious Miss Vinning. This was based on letters that some of Liderdale's closest friends revealed, which expressed her desire for him and her determination that he will not marry another woman. One such letter contained a threat to murder him. During the many searches for her, The question arose about whether the wealthy Miss Vinning was a vivid product of Litterdale's imagination. Created, it was theorised, as a way of providing a background story for his planned disappearance. A deeper look into the story revealed a Julia Vinning who lived in Evercreech near Shepton Mallet Somerset. A friend of hers, Mrs Slater, said in 1907, she was a sweetly pretty girl. As I remember her she had beautiful golden hair curling all over her head and the rosiest cheeks. Julia was well educated for a village girl and carried herself well in any company. We all thought she would do well in the world and we heard that she had done so. No one in the village has seen her for years. After she left Shepton Mallet she did not come back here. We all thought her father knew where she was, for he was so proud and fond of his daughter. Julia disappeared around the same time as Liddardale, although the connection was not initially made, but Ilminster is only 25 miles away from Shepton Mallet, and the pair did know each other and had met up in Bath, where Liddardale says he met the wealthy Miss Vinning. Julia was nicknamed the Belle of Shepton and was well-liked in the area. She was about 23 years old when she disappeared and 5 foot 7 inches tall, slim and fashionably dressed. For 20 years, the executors repeatedly petitioned the court to declare Liddardale dead, only to be told, prove it. The Liddardale mystery kept detectives busy for years, they scoured the world for some sign of the banker or the elusive Miss Vinning, but to no avail. Did he disappear voluntarily, covering his tracks with a bizarrely elaborate cover story? How was it he was never found, after all those years of widely publicised searches for him? Was he murdered, perhaps by the infatuated Miss Vinning, taking her revenge for having been scorned by him? And if so, where was the body? Did the rich, sinister Miss Vinning ever exist? People around the globe debated these issues for years without finding any answers. Elizabeth Chapman, the fiancé left behind, never married, always carrying the hope that she would one day be reunited with William. And as far as I can tell, neither she nor anyone else ever collected the money from his estate or his insurance policies. In 1912, during the fourth court hearing to try and establish whether Litterdale was alive or dead, a director from his bank suddenly came forward to announce that he knew of Miss Vining, whose full name, he said, was Beatrice Alice Hazeldean Vinning. She had no fixed abode, but spent her life travelling on her yacht. If this man was telling the truth, It's a bit odd that he kept this information to himself for two decades. Most likely, it was well-intentioned, if a mediocre attempt to settle the issue once and for all. The newspapers announced
1: that in the light of this new evidence, the case has been adjourned in the hope that the identity of the woman of mystery and her equally mysterious yacht may be established.
0: The case disappeared from the newspapers after that so it's unknown if they were successful. It seems doubtful that they were. There's no record of the Liddardale mystery ever being solved. From what you've heard today, what's your conclusion? Hi, I'm Ray, Self-confessed bookworm, film addict, hermit, long-time depression sufferer and caffeine fiend. In Not Before Coffee, I talk about everything from books, TV and movies to the more serious topics, like my own personal journey through life, struggling with various mental health issues. But not until I've had at least three mugs of the roasted bean and temporarily sated my long-term addiction. So, if you want to get to know more about me and all the ways I pass my time during the week, not including work and you fancy the idea of hearing me talk about the things that interest me, new books, old books, TV and movies of all kinds, plus the weird and wonderful of my everyday, and how I got into writing about cars for a living, despite not having a driving licence, then tune in to Not Before Coffee. Found where all good podcasts are. So pretty much everywhere.
1: Back
2: in the Day Facts.
0: So let's get started with this one. During the 19th century, a popular medicine for children known as Mrs Winslow's Soothing Syrup, which promised to allay all pains, was heavily laced with morphine. Also, Lord Byron, angered by his college Trinity College, didn't allow dogs in dorms kept a pet bear instead. And did you know that until the mid-1800s, dentures were actually often made of teeth pulled from deceased soldiers? However, George Washington is reported to have had luxury dentures, made out of gold, lead and ivory, and were a mix of human and animal teeth. And lastly, Captain Morgan was a real person. He was a Welsh privateer who fought alongside the English against the Spanish in the Caribbean in the 1660s and 1670s. His first name was Henry, and he was knighted by Charles II. His exact birthday is unknown, but it was sometime around 1635. Alas, he died in Jamaica in 1688. And now I'm afraid we've come to the end of this podcast exclusive. And I'd like to take a moment to thank those who really brought this story to life. And this week they include Steve Shepherd and Catherine Ayres from Bradley Stoke Radio, Steve and Sam Roberts from St. Stephen's Drama Group in Bristol, my mate off Twitter, Griff, as well as Ray, who does the Not Before Coffee podcast. And if you'd be interested in helping out while doing a recording, I'm always looking for new voices, so just send me a message. Thank you for listening to the Backtracker History Show podcast with me, Alice. This has been specially edited from a Bradley Stoke radio show in Bristol, England. And if you liked it, please leave a rating and maybe a comment. And if you'd like to support the show with a donation, however small... You can go to kofi.com, spelled spelt K-O F-I. And if you're interested in buying merchandise featuring the show's logo, then pop over to tpublic.com, where you'll find lots of things to choose from. And if you want to get in touch with me, it's perfectly easy. You'll be able to find me on Twitter or Facebook by looking for BacktrackerUK, with a capital B, a capital T, and a capital UK, or you can email me direct at info at So until next time, guys, take care and look after each other.